Today I have a message called Developing Kingdom Teflon. Now this word Teflon, I need to explain somewhat because it means a few things. And one might right away think about Teflon in cooking pans and non-stick cooking pans, right? And one might think of the scientific word here that goes along with it is it's, it's a synthetic resin made by polymerizing uh, teleflow ethylene. That's a $3 word that I tried to say like four times and it just, I was like, but I'm going to say it anyway. Yo, you can look it up. But the thing is, is growing up, we would say be Teflon strong. You know, be Teflon strong. That had various meanings, right? In, in, in the world, Teflon. But Teflon Strong basically describes to me someone who is managing to avoid criticism and keeping a good reputation. In other words, don't allow certain comments and, and stick to you. Be Teflon Strong, right? Sticks and stones may break your bones, but name, names will never hurt you. Yes, they will. They will hurt. That's a stupid saying. I don't know how people, why people say that, repeat that all the time. But we know that criticism and a, and a word that you capture for yourself hurts. It hurts in so many ways. We need to be Teflon strong. Don't allow intimidation or negative criticisms to affect you in such a way that it derails you or stops you from doing what God has called you to do. And that's how I mean to use it. But don't allow the enemy to derail you. Don't allow the enemy to take you off your mission. Don't allow these negative words from stopping you from going forward and doing kingdom work, doing what God has called you to do. Now, it can also mean that you don't, you don't respond to anything, any kind of thing that comes your way. So that, I think, is taking things too far. Like, for example, if you, you did something wrong or there's some kind of, you're doing some kind of scandalous thing, right? Some wrongdoing. That, that could be a problem. And, and so if you're like, oh, it has no effect on me, I'm Teflon strong. No, that's taking it a little bit too far. That's probably taking it way too far because as Christians, for sure that's problematic, right? It's problematic because we are to live holy and pleasing lives unto the Lord, holy and pleasing lives. And so we're supposed to be led by the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not convicting you. Houston, you got a problem. It's a problem. And really, non-Christians need to understand that too. If you are not being convicted by the Holy Spirit, if, you, if that thing inside of you, you keep beating it down and pushing it down, and you're no longer responding to the Holy Spirit, you're no longer responding to when you sin, and you don't like even feel, that doesn't even bother you anymore, um, you're no longer responding to, to the Holy Spirit trying to get you to focus on Jesus and who's God, the Messiah, well, then you're going to be lost for all eternity. You're already condemned yourself. You're already lost for all eternity. That's a serious problem. And you do well to listen to the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. So be Teflon strong, which is not allowing someone else's negative words to derail you off the point of what you're doing, going through the mission of God. Don't quit. Don't give up. Be Teflon strong. Today we're going to read about Elijah. And we're going to be in the book of 1 Kings. And that story actually covers from like chapter 16 to 19. So we're going to read about five chapters today. It's going to take, no, I'm only kidding. But it does cover 16 through 19. Everybody got so serious all of a sudden. I'm not going to read all of that. I'm going to read plenty, but, but I won't read all of that. But we'll, we'll talk about, we're going to talk about the miracles, that, some of the miracles that Elijah did. And by the way, I remember Elijah with a J and Elisha, which we'll talk about later with an S. J comes before S, so that's how I know who comes first. 
maybe you just remember that, but Jake becomes before S. In, our, in, in my, the way I was educated, I mean, today it's like two and four to eight, I, I don't know. And you can just make up whatever you want because it's like critical thinking these days. I, I don't know how critical it is, it's kind of dumb thinking, but I, I don't know, sorry educators. I know we got a lot of teachers here. Not, not the educators in this house. They, they understand what, what's really happening. Pray for your schools, pray for the schools. Anyway, we're gonna look at how Elijah stood up to King Ahab, who was the worst king that, up until that time that Israel ever had. And then we'll look at Jezebel, Queen Jezebel, which is on a mission to kill Elijah. And now her words, her manipulation is gonna derail Elijah to the point where he gets depressed and he starts running away and he actually wanted to die. The prophet of God wants to die. And, and I'll say this right now, even before we get too deep into this message, when we allow fear and intimidation to derail us, when we stop holding on to the promises of, of God, um, we start to get off mission, right? And even then, uh, it starts to hit us in different ways, uh, different stages start of anxiety and depression and other health issues start to emerge. And we'll read about some of those dangers and effects as as we get into it, because of fear, because of imitation, because of wrong understanding. And we'll see what God does to help Elijah, in a sense, get back on track and stay on mission. But Elijah is never the same. I, I believe he was never the same. And so I want to give this warning as well to leaders and watch your life and your doctrine closely. Watch your life and doctrine closely, especially if you're a charger type of person that wants to work, 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 and then work some more, and then and then work some more, right? This charge of personalities. Um, like I said, sometimes to me, I, I have to just be like, okay, it's time to stop. And usually that's when I can't see straight, and I'm dizzy, and I'm like, oh, I, I think I went to, I've been working too long, I need some rest, right? But if you get to the edge of the cliff, and you actually fall off that cliff, it's, it's bad enough when you get to the edge, but if you get to the edge and you actually fall off, it's bad. And if God spares your life and preserves your life, so often you're never the same. Yes, he can heal you, but so often in my experience when I see those leaders fall off the cliff, they're never the same. I've seen so many ministers and, and leaders and, and people that are doing great things for the Lord just fall off the cliff. And they seem to bounce back, and some never do, but some do. And they bounce back, and they eventually maybe even make it back to what seems to be the top of the game. But if you speak to them, they'll say it's not the same. It doesn't become the same. They will often tell you that. They never fully get back to where they were when they walk off that edge of that cliff and they get all banged up and bruised. Again, it's not impossible to get back, but in my experience, very often it doesn't happen. And we're gonna see that Elijah is gonna need three people to replace him after he, in a sense, he falls off that cliff. So learn to be Teflon strong. Manage your gifts and protect your gifts in the process. Protect your calling. Pay attention to your life, to the doctrine that you're following and your beliefs. Hallelujah. All right, let's stand. And we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, beginning or reading at verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah has done and, and how he killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a, message, a messenger to Elijah to say, May God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your, your life 
I do not make your life like that one of them. Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. And when he came to Bathsheba in Judah, he, he, he left his servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the desert, he came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have, I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Attacks from the enemies. Right? He's being attacked from the enemy. Sin, hard times, failure, um, fear. It's going to play games with your mind. It plays games with so many of our, our minds. Learn uh, to understand this. Some of the stuff leads to de depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts. Elijah is in a really bad place. He's in a bad place, church. And he needs help. And when you're in a bad place, you need help as well. Verse 5, then... He lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him. Can you say all at once? All at once, right? It happened really fast. An angel touched him and said, get up and eat, manja, get, go eat, right? And he looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals. How cool would that be if you just like get up and, and you have like desserts just waiting for you? Yes, right. And a jar of water and he ate and drank and then lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank and strengthened by the food. He traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Herod, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and he spent the night. Father God, I pray bless this word, oh God. Bless what all that is being said here, oh God. Lord, open up our understanding for the scripture and what is happening here. Give us clarity, I pray, oh God. Start softening our hearts, Lord God, so that we hear from you and those that, that don't know you would believe in you, O oh God, and worship you, O oh God, and praise your name. And we thank you, Lord, for this house, for this church, for the people, Lord, for the excitement and their willing hearts to understand your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. So Elijah is fearful here of the words of Jezebel, and he believes that she's going to make do on what she's actually saying. So he's overwhelmed. He becomes overwhelmed, and he finds himself really in a dark place, ready to give up. And before we dive deeper into that part of the story, let's speak about Elijah and his life prior to this, when he was not tired or not depressed and over, not overcome by fear. And when he's seeking God and wants to see the miraculous, and he's involved in the process, and, and he's advancing God's kingdom. He's totally, you know, doing what God has called him to do, and, and, and he's rising up against the evil of that day. And he's just entrenched on moving forward and going forward and, 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 and building the kingdom of God. And now in chapter 17, we learn that Elijah is going to say to King Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. And then the word of the Lord came to Elijah again, leave here and turn eastward and hide in the Kareth ravine east of Jordan. And you will drink from the brook and I have ravens there to feed you. So he did what the Lord told him. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. There are times along our life that we're going to be alone and we're going to hide. And other times we're going to be bold and we're going to stand out and we're going to stand up for the things of God. But not every time that you're alone 
and you're on the run, is it because of sin or is it because of disobedience with God? But too often we isolate, too often we run, too often we hide out of fear. And so Elijah is going to deliver this message to King Ahab, a wicked king. And we see Elijah being here. He's fearless. He's Teflon strong. He's fearless here. And he's going before a powerful king and delivering this type of message that could be life-threatening. But again, Elijah, Teflon strong. He doesn't care. He's bold. And remember, Ahab at this time is the worst, most ungodly king that Israel had at that time. And Elijah obeys God. He delivers that message. And then he, he leaves. What I call dump and run. He just, boom, and then he's gone. Where, where did that guy go, you know? All right. But God doesn't tell him to just leave. He tells him to go in hiding. And so then these ravens, which usually represent evil, in this case, they're actually doing good. But these birds, these ravens are usually evil. But here they bring Elijah meat and they bring him bread to survive. And then there's a brook there and he, and he starts drinking water from the brook. Now, later in the story, we're going to learn that Queen Jezebel rises up against Elijah. And then what does Elijah do? He goes into running and hide again. But this time, it's different. This time, he's doing it on his own. He's not doing it because God said so. And so there's a lot of lessons in the story as you like break this apart. For one thing, God doesn't always do the same thing twice. He doesn't always do it the same way he did it the first way. And so that keeps us on our toes, and this should make us pay attention. And really, this means that just because he did it one way doesn't mean he does it the second time. So pay attention. Listen to what he's saying. Settle it down. And listen to what God wants you to hear. And sometimes when that voice, when you hear that voice, he will lead you in a different direction than he did last time. Sometime later, the brook dried up. And he was told to go meet a widow at Zarephath who would feed him and give him a place of shelter and rest. This widow came with, was there with her son and she seemed to be poor. Maybe not. She had a house, but she didn't have food for sure. And actually, she was going to make her last meal for her and her son and then die. But God had a different plan. God always has a different plan so often than what we think, right? And he sends her a prophet, prophet Elijah. Now, a prophet is a spokesperson for God, of God, often ministers of prayer and the preaching of the word and bringing praises to God. The prophet would also would often encourage and help build up the church and equip the saints of God and really people in general. But also the prophet brought correction, comfort, exhortation, and, and also often edification to the church. Now, at least two miracles we're seeing here. Elijah tells the widow to make some food even though she just had enough for one meal. This is what the Lord says to Elijah in verse 14. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. Verse 15, she went away and did as Elijah has told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. And for the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry keeping with the word of the Lord that spoke to Elijah. God is the God who provides, church. God is the God who provides. And a great miracle was being done and continued for months and months. And while we don't know how long Elijah lived with this widow and her son, we know that according to Luke 4, 
Verse 24, there was this, a drought lasted for three and a half years. In fact, James 5 tells us, beginning at verse 16, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man, a person, just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and did not rain on the, on the land for three and a half years. And again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced his crops. Prayer is often, prayer, I should say, is always not often, but always the key to success in life if we're going to be kingdom builders and soul winners. If we want God to move powerfully in our lives and homes and churches, right, and cities. And without it, the people of God remain weak. But when we learn how to dwell in the house of the Lord and in his presence and pray and praise regularly, right, and put things to, these things to practice, a mighty work of God starts getting done. Elijah was just like us. Elijah was human. Elijah was a person like us in the flesh. But he learned how to pray. And he learned how to reach heaven. And spirit to spirit, speaking to God. And God answered his prayers. And God wants us to have that kind of zeal and come before him as well. Now I want you to realize that the drought didn't come because Elijah willed it. It came because God willed it. God desired it. That's what God wanted. But Elijah was being faithful and being utilized by God. He heard from God. He operated by faith. And he was used greatly, utilized greatly for the kingdom of God. He prayed and the rain stopped. Later he prays and the rain will start again. But now in the story there's drought. There's drought. Chapter 17, verse 17. Sometimes later the woman who owned the house became ill. The son of the woman became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, Why do, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Notice how the blame game starts right away. Notice how, how they're blaming the prophet right away. And then they go blaming God right away. The widow and the son were about to die before Elijah even got there. And maybe weeks or months later, they've been living. And now they're going to blame that again. It's the blame game. Starting to blame the prophet for the son's death. They got more time. They should be thankful and grateful. No, it's not what happens. Church, we need to stay Teflon strong. People are hurting. And hurting people hurt people. We know that, right? And so the blame game and the process started. Because, because sometimes you just lose your... In a, you, you don't have the ability to cope. You, you can't see down the road. You don't have no hope. You don't see greater days ahead of you. And so you took it out on the church. You took it out on the prophet. You took it out on the pastor. You took it out on other believers around you. This, this is what we see happening in society. But Elijah, he remains Teflon strong. He remains strong in his faith, in his purpose, and in his mission. Elijah prays for the son. Brought, brought him back to life. Another great miracle is done. Now chapter 18 Starts off by saying, after a long time, in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send the rain on the land. And Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria, and Ahab summoned Obadiah, who was in charge of the palace. Obadiah was a, a devout believer in the Lord, it says. While Jezebel was killing off the, the, the Lord's prophets, Obadiah took 100 prophets and hid them in two caves, 50 in one cave, and supplied them with food and water. Not only were the prophets, uh, the people dealing with this drought, but the prophets were being slaughtered and killed off. In fact, as you read this story, you'll start to see that Ahab the queen, 
Queen Jezebel started to institute these governmental houses of worship, these prophets of, of Baal would be eating at her table. And the goal was, I believe, to kill off the prophets and the people of God and make Baal the chief deity of deity and, and Baal worship the, the official state religion. And many governments today are pushing their same personal agendas across the, the land. They want to destroy Christianity in the process, but we must be Teflon strong. We must stand strong and, and be united in Christ Jesus. And, and persecution is going to arise as we start getting closer to the end time and, the, and, and around the world. And, and our banks and all this stuff is going to start changing as maybe as, they, as we go to a, like a digital currency, it's going to get easier. Or the credit cards, we see them shutting down banks and shutting down credit cards, right? And maybe these things are going to happen to even us and, um, and we go as Christian views are, are, are being looked less upon and maybe our governmental views on their policies of Christians, we start looking at things a certain way and they'd be like, you're a Christian? We're shutting your bank account. We're going to persecute you. We're going to harm you in some way. We're going to have really have to make some tough decisions what we believe, right? Trust God or trust man. Trust God and obey God or follow the worldly system. Ahab and Jezebel represents the power structure and the government of that day. And they were destroying and killing the believer, the prophets of God. Now, Obadiah, a devout believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, hides a hundred prophets. Fifty in one cave, fifty in another cave, and then he's going to feed them and give them water. Now, Obadiah is working for the king. He's in charge of of the palace. I think that's so cool. And then one day he runs into Elijah. But notice this, that even though King Ahab is doing some terrible things, Obadiah trusts God. And Obadiah, the devout worker, is, is working in the palace. And Obadiah is serving the Lord. And he saves many, many people. Even though he worked for a wicked king and, and a terrible, broken world system. Church, we're working in a broken world system. But you ask God to raise you up to a new level wherever you are. Obadiah worked for one of the worst kings of that day. And yet he was used mightily for the kingdom of God. Remember, for about three years, King Ahab and Queen Jezebel are killing prophets. And they can't find Elijah. He's being protected. They want him dead. And Obadiah just goes for a walk, runs into him, and finds him. Really? Just by choice, just by accident, right? Really? No, I don't think so. This is all God, God, part of God's perfect plan and timing. Just think about it. You're going for a normal stroll, make a wrong turn somewhere, and you run into someone. It's a divine appointment. That's what I, I believe it is. And you might think it was a coincidence. You might think it was by chance. No, it was God had a plan and purpose for you, and that was a divine appointment. Especially when you're praying for divine appointments. Look, when I go out to the marketplace today, give me a divine appointment. You run into someone you haven't seen for a long time, you're like, yeah, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> it's great faith. God is at work, even when we don't see it. Even when we don't feel it. God's at work, even when we don't understand it. He's the God that never sleeps. He is the God who can do all things. He is the God of impossible. Nothing is too difficult for our God. We need to get that in our presence and in our mind. Nothing is too difficult for God. He places people and, and positions and opportunities in our life all the time. We're not paying attention. We're not following his instructions. We're not trusting and obeying. 
So Elijah goes out, as God told him, and he meets with King Ahab. Again, Ahab is looking to kill him. Obadiah finds him like three years later. Now Obadiah is scared. He thinks that Elijah is going to disappear again. That's what he's been doing for three years. We see him over there. No, he's not there. We see him over there. No, he's not. We see him over there. Over there. Over there. Right? He's not there. Verse 9. What have I done wrong? Obadiah says. That you are hand, handing your servant over to Ahab to be put to death. As surely as the Lord gives, Lord your God lives. There's not a nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to look for you. And whenever a nation or kingdom claims you were not there, he made them swear they could not find you. But now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah is here. I don't know where the spirit of the Lord may carry you when you leave. If I go and tell Ahab that he doesn't find you, uh, find you he will kill me. Yet, I, your servant, have worshipped the Lord since my youth. By the way, I love that. What a great testimony Obadiah has. I've been serving the Lord since my youth. I love that. Now, some, some people, many people glory in this like tragic testimony that they have and all the things they, all the tragedy they went through. Listen, praise God that you are now saved. Yeah. And we rejoice in that testimony. But I love this testimony as well. I love these stories that say, I've been following the Lord since a child. I've been following the Lord since my youth. I've been following the Lord since I've been a young adult. Church, that's possible. Even today's society, it's possible. Yes. Don't give up on your children. In today's society, so many of our children growing up, they have gone wayward. There's so many reasons why this is happening. The school, they get them for eight hours a day, five days a week. And then they come home and TV and social media and all these things for several more hours a day, right? Sports and other activities when they're not doing homework and, and watching TV. Many homes are not modeling Christ uh, and Christian values and doctrines. They're not teaching a Christian worldview and how to defend their faith. And especially in a hostile environment in which we live, our children and teens right need to know and have about our, our our faith and they need to know about their faith and why they believe what they believe and it can't happen just in church it can't because the church gets them what one to two hours on a sunday maybe one or two days uh, 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 in a month right it doesn't happen uh, maybe during a youth or special event and then the parents wonder why is my child doing this? Why did my child get lost? Why are my children not committed to Christ? On top of that, many churches have become daycare centers or clubs or social clubs or places for parents to worship and just drop off their kids, right? So the system is broken. The system is broken. Maybe the way we're living is broken. Maybe the way we're doing church is broken. Maybe we need to rethink our priorities and not see the church just as a social club or a place to just drop off our kids so that we can have quality worship without them. Uh, we, we need to see the church and Christ, a power, a place of power, a place of purpose, a place of prayer, a place of praise, a place of love, a place where we come together in community and help each other. A place where our parents... Parents take responsibility for their children and learn how to discipline them and raise them up in the things of God. Parents, it's your responsibility to do this. Train them up in the ways of God. We will come alongside and try to help. Maybe our godly, other godly people need to come alongside of you 
and help you. We're losing the battle in so many ways. We must learn to reprioritize our life and our calling and use our gifts to benefit each other. So I love Obadiah's testimony. You shall, your, your servant has worshipped the Lord since my youth. What a powerful testimony. And my prayer is, some people won't like it. I want to do church different. We as parents and friends and family, let's do church different. Let's not follow all the status quos. Let's see how our gifts can be used in this house and in these communities around us. And watch our kids start to grow and change. And as that happens, we get involved in the marketplace. Bringing our Christian value with us. And watch the children grow in their faith as you parents grow in your faith. As you take responsibilities in your home and church. Watch godly principles start to emerge in all areas of your life. The lives of your children as well. Now you might not have children. I, I understand that. But that doesn't mean you can't be a spiritual parent or guardian, right? Or help out other families. This is my prayer. This is what I want to see happen. That as we grow as a family of God in Christ Jesus, lives are going to be transformed. And it's for all of us to do that. Let's also develop kingdom Teflon in the process. Stop worrying about the world's, what the world says and start worrying about what the Bible says. Can I get a better amen than that? I'm going to say it again, right? Stop worrying about what the world says and start worrying about what the Bible says and the church says, amen. amen. If we don't buy into this, why should the world start implementing godliness and holiness in the home and start, start taking the church and the saints of God seriously and dwelling in this house seriously and being around this altar seriously and about praise and worship seriously and watch what God does hallelujah he will transform hearts so we're not looking to just be other churches we're looking to be what god wants us to be Amen. we're not even trying to be seeker sensitive and i and that's a, another topic but i say you do that in the marketplace you go seek into the marketplace you build the relationships that you need to to build. You introduce them to Jesus. You, you introduce them then to your church family. But when it comes to this house, when it comes to coming in here, we want to celebrate. We want to worship the things of God. We want to pray passionately. We want to see God move powerfully, right? We don't want to water it down. We don't want to bring in the clowns. We don't want to turn the church into some kind of circus thing and, and a sideshow. When every person walks into this house, we want them to powerfully experience the love of God. Hallelujah. We want people to feel his embrace and have a relationship, a place that's safe, a place where people can, can get together and advance the kingdom of God, a place where God's word goes out boldly and worship goes up powerfully and, and we worship in spirit and truth. And yes... Yes, this should pour over to the street in the marketplace. Absolutely. For others to experience. Bring it to them, church. Bring it to them. But first, we need to make sure that we're building this church on a solid foundation. Jesus is that foundation. We keep making it secret service and stop watering it down all the time to please the world. We're out of our mind. But you live in that world. So when you're going out there in the marketplace, you bring them Jesus. But in here, we're building on the solid foundation. We must get that right. We must get that right. Our DNA must 
ooze Jesus. When someone bumps into you, Jesus pours out of you. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the great I am. He's the only way to Father God. The Bible is God's words to us. Cherish it. Love it. Study it. Embrace it. While others don't want to hear it, they might make fun of you. They might call you names. You might lose your job one day. Be Teflon strong. Stay the course. Go forward by faith and fulfill the great commission. But even someone like Obadiah, who's been serving since he was a child, when his life was in jeopardy, he got scared. It happens. It happens, right? We're faced with certain situations and we might get scared, but how you respond to that is, is important. Obadiah says to Elijah in verse 13, Haven't you heard, my Lord, when I, what I did to Jezebel while Jezebel was killing the prophets of the Lord? I hid a hundred prophets of the Lord's prophets. The two caves, the Lord's prophet. That's an important word. Not just any prophet. The Lord's prophet he took care of. And Fifty in each and supplied them with food and water. Now you tell me to go to my master and Elijah is here. He'll kill me if you don't show up. Elijah gives him comfort. As the Lord Almighty lives whom I serve, I will surely present myself to him today. So Obadiah went and set up those two meetings between the two Gumbas, right? But they prayed first. I'm pointing to someone on purpose because we had a conversation about something like that. Anyway, Ahab went to meet Elijah. You know, God's doing something in the spiritual realm. And we don't always understand it, so we have to pray through it. But here we have a meeting happening between between a king, a worldly king, and a godly prophet. And when, the, when Elijah, when Ahab sees the uh, when when he saw Elijah, when Ahab saw Elijah, he says to him, is that you, troubler of Israel? Again, name calling. That's what's happening, name calling. The enemy of God wants to silence you. He wants to put you in fear. He wants to bring you down. He starts calling you names. He starts making fun of you. He's like, loser, loser, loser. He's like, why are you going to that church? Why are you going to that place? Why are you trusting that guy? He's only a prophet. He's only, he's only someone that just existed 2,000 years ago. He didn't really die on the cross. Well, you know, he died on the cross, but he wasn't really resurrected. Well, yeah, you know, he's a miracle worker, but he's really not God. And they're going to make fun of you. But Elijah, he's on mission. He's Teflon strong. And he says, I'm not the troubler. I've not made trouble for Israel. You and your family have. You abandoned the Lord's commands and you have followed the Baals. Now summon the people of, of all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring out your 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab went out throughout all of Israel and assembled the prophet on Mount Carmel. Again, remember, Elijah is standing, is standing up to the king and queen at this time who spent three years trying to kill the prophets of God, trying to move people away from God and towards worshiping Baal. Again, this is a governmental agency doing this, trying to make Baal worship the official, um, the, the official God of, of their state or, or country or area. Seems like the same practices are being done slowly in our nation and around the world, instituted in America. We just don't call it Baal worship these days. We have other names for it. But its effects are really the same. People are dying, churches are closing. 
people are scared, many are confused uh, about what team they're playing on. And, and COVID's a great example of church closing and people capitulating to the new world order and the new standards that are out there. Slowly our rights are being taken away as, as people, as we get closer to the ends of time, right? So we need to be even more bold. We need to be Teflon strong. We, lives are at stake here. And so soon in this country, Right? We were talking about this the other night. Soon in this country, it might be illegal to actually walk past an abortion clinic and pray silently. Forget about praying out loud. Now you, now you might have folded hands or do something as you walk by. And they're like, he's praying. He's going to jail. Right? Because we no longer have that freedom of speech and, 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 and that expression, of our freedom of our expression. It's starting to dwindle, church. And, and we see it throughout the world. And we see it happening in America. And I wonder how far do we have to fall before the people of God take a stand for righteousness and take a stand for the things of God? Because it's God alone that can really transform the hearts and the nations. It's God. Verse 21, Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If, it's, if, if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Again, this is what I think we're dealing with today. The people falter. People waver between two opinions. But Elijah, what is he saying? It's very clear. He's saying, pick one. You cannot serve two masters. Pick one. Devote yourself to God and his standards. Right? Or devote yourself to the world. But pick one. How long will you be waving between trusting God or trusting yourself? Trusting God or trusting other gods? How long will you waver? And the people said nothing. They lost their courage. They had no objection. But they definitely was not led to repentance. When the prophet speaks and the word goes out and Jesus, the Messiah, shows up in a, in a certain way, we need to be moved towards repentance or some kind of action or decision. But the people said nothing and did nothing. But God has a lot to say about this topic. God has a lot to say about following other gods. He's a jealous God. Loving God? Yes. But he's a judging God. God, a jealous God as well. And he won't put up with the idolatry and the, uh, 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 the abortions and the adultery for too long. We're his bride. And we must commit ourselves to our groom, not to others. How long, church, do we waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If not, go live like the devil. Be free. Go live like the devil. Do whatever you please. Do whatever you feel is right in your mind. But for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I hope you can say the same thing. Until death do us part. But the truth is, for me, my wife, my children, and other saints of God, it will never do us part. Because we will be with each other for all of eternity. Living in heaven with glory and God and Glorious, I should say, and with God. Hallelujah. Now, Elijah thinks he's the only prophet, which is a little weird to me, because Obadiah already told him there's a hundred I have been hiding. Verse 22, then Elijah said to him, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. See, he's overwhelmed a little bit. He's getting more overwhelmed. Get two bulls for us. Let, let them choose one of, for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set it to fire. I will prepare the other bull and put it on 
the wood, but not set it to fire. Then you call on your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. Now the people speak. Right before they kept their mouths shut. Now they have something to say. You cannot make this stuff up. I love scripture. You can't make this stuff up. You see, the people, they want to see a show. They want to see a fireworks display, right? We had a great 4th of July uh, last year. And a great fireworks display was there, right? Well, people love fireworks. People love the, the power plays at work. And here we see Elijah saying, hey, news alert. You want to see power? You want to see God's power at work? You want to see fireworks and fire come down from heaven? You want to see the true God revealed? Show up and watch the fire come down. Church, I say show up together here. Watch the fire of God come down. It's time for us to come to church with great expectations, believing that when we gather, the fire will fall and his word's going to go out strong and boldly and lives are going to be transformed by the power of God. Hallelujah. And this story progresses. We learn the prophets of Baal prayed. They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to prayer, to cutting themselves, to bleeding. We can't even get some people to come out of church. They're cutting themselves, it says. Baal was known to be the sky god, lord of the weather, sending lightning. So they were expecting Baal to show up in the fire to come down. You know what happened? Nothing. Now, I want to tell you, the people were sincere, sincerely wrong. They were passionate. They were devoted. But they were playing for the wrong team. They were on the wrong side, serving the wrong God, following their wrong traditions. Whatever they did, it didn't work. They had a zeal for the false God. Sometimes the world's religion, though, put Christians to shame. How? In their zeal. How? In some of the things they do. Right? Sometimes it puts us to shame, church. They have more zeal than us, but they're following the wrong God. And I get it. They're works-oriented. We're faith-oriented. I get that. Um, we know that you cannot be saved through works. It's a gift from God. And so if you don't know Jesus, you speak to him from your heart. It's time for us to, to take a chance with him. Lord, I'm going to give my life to you. Lord, I repent. Lord, I'm going to dedicate my life to you from this day on. Maybe you haven't done that in years. It's time for you to just do it. Be bold and just do it. Lord, I need you. Speak to him from your heart. Invite him in. Repent for your sins and then go live for him. But he needs to be master of your life, not just a friend. He is a friend, but he needs to be master of your life. So after salvation, we work unto God and then our zeal and passion for him should be strong. And we should be some of the best leaders and workers in the workforce because we serve God. We work unto God and we walk in his power and his authority. And if that's not you and you're not doing that, shame on you. Verse 27, at noon, Elijah began to taunt them. I want you to enjoy church, by the way. Now, I don't want to just like rebuke everybody. That's not what I'm doing, but shame on you anyway if you're not doing that. Take that to the bank. Before the banks closed. All right. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is God. Perhaps he's in deep thought or busy or traveling. He was actually saying, maybe he's just going to the bathroom and he's not around. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. So shout a little louder. Right? Shout louder and slash themselves with a sword and a spear 
as was their custom until their blood flowed. Midday passed. These are going on for hours. They continue their frantic prophesying until time for the evening sacrifice. All day, cutting, yelling, chanting, doing. There was no response. There was no answer. No one paid attention. Till I just turned. Man of God, full of faith. Verse 30. Elijah said, come closer. He repairs the altar, which was in ruins. He wanted to make sure people are paying attention. Sometimes I have to say, pay attention, church. Don't miss this word. Respect God's word. And he fixed the altar, and he prepared this altar, and he dug a trench around it, and he soaked the sacrifice, right, the offering, three times with big jugs of water, and the trenches, he made trenches around it, all got filled with water, verse 36. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, and answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. He didn't put on a slideshow. He didn't dance. He didn't cut himself, right? He simply prayed. Then the fire of the Lord fell down and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil. It was all licked up in the water. What a fireworks show that took place that day. When all the people saw they saw it, they felt prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is Lord. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. When we experience God's presence and God's power, right? It should cause us to worship. The Lord is God. The Lord is God. The Lord is God. Amen. Verse 40, Elijah commanded them, seize the prophet of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. They seized him. And Elijah brought them down to the Kishon Valley, and they, and they were slaughtered there. By the end of chapter 18, hundreds of ungodly prophets are killed. I'm not saying that we should kill people today that don't believe. Just want to be clear. But back then was a different time. Sin had to be purged. Today, sin has to be purged in our hearts. What they tried to do was kill God's prophets. And the very thing they tried to do turned against them. And they were killed and sent. So fire falls down from heaven. And then the rain falls down. The rain comes down from heaven. Heaven opens up and, and the shower is poured out and the drought is over. Another great miracle takes place that day. And you would think that Elijah is going to feel strong and victorious. But that's not the case. You know, after a great victory, right, a great worship service, a great time in the Lord, the enemy shows up strong. And here comes Jezebel with her distractions. With her beauty, with her deceit, with her charm, and all her words, right? She rises up against Elijah and basically says, By tomorrow this time, you will be killed. And church, as we pray, and God's power starts to fall, the enemy's not going to be happy. And these Jezebel types of spirits are going to start to emerge. And so I want to make an announcement. I want to make a declaration that we will not back down to the Jezebel type of spirit and people. We will not be intimidated by what the world has to say. We are going to go forward by faith. So giddy up and get ready, world. I don't want to tempt you, but I'm telling you, we need to stand strong and walk forward by faith. Hallelujah. Every one of us needs to do this ourselves. Stand up for righteousness. Stand up what you have been called up for. Stand up in your home. Stop being the leaders that God has called you to be. Be Teflon strong. Elijah's overcome with fear. Chapter 19, verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything. 
that Elijah has done. And he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah. May the God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I don't make your life that of one of them. Elijah's afraid and runs. He basically prays and says, take my life. He prayed that he would die. Then he laid down under this tree and fell asleep. We don't see Elijah being Teflon strong here. Fear has taken over. Faith has diminished. He's intimidated. He's tired. He's depressed. He lost his focus. He's on the run. Three years earlier, when he was dealing with King Ahab directly, and he told him it wasn't going to rain, he was bold. He took a stand. But now, Queen Jezebel got him running and hiding in fear and intimidation. This type of fear is crippling. When you're scared to do what's right, it's crippling. It was bad. It was so bad, Elijah was like, Lord, take my life, I want to die. Now, we actually know it's not rational how he thought. And I can tell you why. Because he really wanted to die, he should have just stayed where he was. Jezebel would have been glad to just put him out and kill him. So he really didn't want to die. But see, he was tired, he was scared, he, he was in a crisis. And then what does, he, what does he do? He makes it worse. He leaves his servant, and now he's alone. And then he has a conversation with, with the Lord, which doesn't even make sense, and he starts to overstate the problems. Everything seems to be a big deal. Everything was more complicated. He's discouraged and despair and depression and fear's taken over. Everything starts becoming a big deal. You think you're all alone, right? Uh, you think that my problem, nobody else had my problem. <coughs> nobody ever had the problem that I have, right? And so he starts disengaging now with his mission, disengaging now with his servant, those around him. And so he isolates and he stays alone. Church, there are danger signs that if we just pause, we see the danger signs. COVID rocked so many people. They're scared. They've been alone. They even isolate themselves way too long. They focus on the wrong things and they start listening to the wrong words and wrong verse uh, voices. And now depression and anxiety starts setting in and they lose their way. We're going to feel the effects of this COVID virus for many, many years to come, maybe decades. Too many people are allowing it also to be in their own mind and hearts way too long. Look what the Lord says to Elijah. Elijah's not feeling Teflon storm. Verse 5, all at once the angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was the cake of bread over hot coals and jar of water. He ate and he drank. Angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him, and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. And he did that. He was strengthened by that. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. Elijah, tired, asleep, depressed, right? It's a problem. But then, you know, the Lord knows sometimes we need to just. Right, we need to sometimes just take a nap and have some snacks. I don't know, I'm just telling you. I, I, sometimes I just need to take a nap and have some snacks. I'm gonna tell you, I would also add a nice cold bowl of cereal at 10 o'clock at night does you wonders as well too. But I don't know, probably a nice steak for other people. But anyway, he woke him up again and he gave him, come on, you, you know, those, those cereal lovers know what I'm talking about. But anyway, I'm not saying it's good for you. 
But you know, and, and you know, when you go through these hard times, rewind that tape and just know when you go through those hard times, rest and eating right is really important. So, so if you go through those hard times, you can comfort yourself a little bit, but don't stay there too long, yeah. right? Um, food and can do wonders for you, but sometimes you do need medical attention as well on all seriousness, right? But other times you need to be pushed in that right direction. Go ahead and do it. Go, go ahead and do this. This is the right thing to do. Go ahead and do it. But you need to hear from God. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing, Elijah? God cares about our physical needs. God knows what we need the most. Follow his plans. And sometimes we need to hear these words. What are you doing, Anthony? What are you doing, Jennifer? What are you doing, Moose? Or Mike? You got to ask me what it's to be called, Moose or Mike. What are you doing, Jim? Start putting your name on that. What are you, what are you doing? What, what are you doing? And sometimes we need to ask ourselves these questions. What are we doing? I ask myself that. Sometimes we need to challenge ourselves and challenge our friends and challenge our family. What are you doing, guys? What are you doing? Right? Because God is challenging us daily to do something. He wants us to rise up in our faith. What are you doing? Once we focus our energy on our next steps, we need to stop listening to the voices that want to hurt us and bring us down and start listening to God's voices, God's voice that wants to lift us up and elevate us. Jump to verse 15. The Lord said, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. The Lord gave Elijah a new mission. Go to work. Right? Go to work. Take care of this for me. And sometimes we need to come back and repent for the mess that we made before we left. Sometimes we need to retrace our steps and make right for the wrong that we did. Sometimes when life throws us a curveball and we feel all beat up and banged up, you need, you need a break, take a rest, that's fine. Eat some healthy foods, get exercise, but then refocus yourself and, and what are your next steps? And what is God telling you to do? We're not built alone or for isolation. We're gonna go to work. Go to work. Walk in your calling. It'll do wonders for your mind. Serve. It'll do wonders for your mind. Inside the house and inside the marketplace or outside the marketplace, wherever. Elijah focused on threats and the problems he faced. It was overwhelming. It caused him fear, stress, led to depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. Man of God, suicidal thoughts. We must do our best to control our mind. Think about what is good and praiseworthy. Read God's word. Stop filling your mind with biblical words. We've got to start changing our thinking. God still has a plan and purpose for Elijah, and God still has a plan and purpose for everyone here listening to my voice. God sends Elijah on a 40-day journey in verse 15. You can read all about that. And in that section, there were 7,000 prophets that the Lord had for him. I want you to notice something. Elijah thought he was alone. But there were 7,000 more prophets that God had waiting. God now also is going to use three other people to replace Elijah. The king of Aram, the, the king Jehu, and the one prophet Elisha. And they will continue to do the work of Elijah. In fact, Elisha is going to go on and do double the miracles of Elijah. 
but it took three people, three more people to accomplish what that one prophet did. And I wonder, those voices that you've been listening to, that criticism and all that stuff that have derailed you, taken you off mission, how many other people have suffered because you didn't do what God has called you to do? How many other people have to be raised up because you sit down? You think about that. How many people are lost in their way because you won't follow God's way? Next few minutes that we have, I just want to encourage you to be Teflon strong, develop kingdom Teflon. Today we learned that Elijah hid. But don't hide unless God tells you to hide. Choose a side. Rest when you need it. Challenge yourself and encourage others to stay on mission. This year, we've been encouraging you to dwell in God's house and to dwell in his presence, to pray, to read the Bible daily and regularly, to pause and linger at these altars and linger in your private times and prayer closets. You'll hear me say that over and over again. As we focus on God's will and way, put forth his mission, learn to make disciples who makes disciples, we are to immerse people in Jesus. We are to immerse people in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Desire to hear His voice. Pause and dwell and linger. And then get involved in service, whether it's in this house or outside. We're blessed to be a blessing. We are to be fruit bearers. Bring the gospel message in life, in love, in liberty, in what you do. Teach yourself to stay focused on mission. Don't allow that ungodly negative word to derail you and stop you. Even your own head talk, stop it. Start filling your mind with the right things. If you, if you need prayer today, we want to pray with you and for you. If you're having trouble or feeling depressed or you're anxious and if you're not here call us we'll pray with you but maybe you want to even stand in lieu of someone else who needs that prayer it's up to you but allow other saints of God to pray with you and for you God's going to do something in our hearts and our homes allow Jesus to heal you and to help you He's going to do that in many ways, and he does that through his church. He does that through his, the body of believers. Allow the criticism to diminish and the faith to arise. Let's help us be Teflon strong in the name of Jesus. Let's stand. These altars are open. We're going to worship and sing. And worship and sing. If God's touching your heart, you want to pray, if you want us to pray with you, anoint you with oil, we'll do that too. But it's just a few more minutes and then we'll dismiss you. God loves you. Let's be Teflon strong.